Welcome to In Layman's Terms, a podcast dedicated to discipleship and putting scripture to use in our daily lives. I'm your host, Todd Seifert. I'm the Communications Director for the Great Plains Conference of the United Methodist Church, comprised of approximately 1,000 churches in Kansas and Nebraska. As the title of this podcast suggests, I'm not ordained clergy, so what I share comes to you in layman's terms. I have more than 20 years of experience teaching the Bible to everyone from teens to 90-somethings, and I'm excited to share what Scripture has to say to us in today's society, and I love to tell stories of how people live their faith. Some episodes focus on a person or church doing great things to serve as the hands and feet of Christ. Some episodes include interviews with experts who can help us along our faith journey. And other episodes include some short reflections on Scripture. Thank you for joining me. Last time I introduced a new series focused on re-engagement. Re-engagement of people to their spiritual disciplines that may have waned while they didn't have that weekly reminder in worship. Now, not everyone waned, for sure, but some people did become a little lax in their spiritual disciplines. And also re-engagement of congregations as they come back together. Zoom has been a wonderful tool, but it's not for everyone. So in-person small group meetings, events, and of course worship is eagerly anticipated by many people who just want to get back to seeing people in person again. I used the illustration last time of Ezra and Nehemiah from the Old Testament history books as my guide. Nehemiah was tasked with rebuilding the city of Jerusalem and the wall around it. That came after the Babylonian destruction and the decades to follow that many Jews spent in exile. Ezra eventually was called upon to re-engage the people in their spiritual practices, literally reading the Law of Moses and explaining it to people again so they could get back on the right path on their faith journey. I would argue that we've been on our own personal exiles for the past year as we've sheltered in place due to the COVID-19 pandemic. And as we plan now to emerge, realizing that it's not safe yet, but we're getting closer and closer with each day of vaccinations, well, we have the opportunity to embrace a new normal. I asked for churches and individuals to share how they are preparing to help people re-engage. And one of the churches that spoke up was Calvary United Methodist Church in the northern part of Wichita. So in this episode, I want to welcome the Reverend Michael Marion, the senior pastor at Calvary, and the Reverend Ashley Prescott Barlow-Thompson, director of outreach at Calvary. I recently traveled to Calvary United Methodist Church to talk with Mike and Ashley about their planning to even more deeply re-engage their church and community. Now, full confession, this is my first time using some of my audio equipment outside the confines of our sound-friendly studio, so I missed one setting that I didn't catch in the sound check. So as a result, Ashley's microphone and mine sound just a little bit hollow, but you can still easily hear what Ashley has to say. Unfortunately for you, you can still hear me too. Anyway, I started our conversation by asking them to talk about when they had to shut down the church and what that was like for their congregation and for them. Well, it was it, it all happened very quickly. Uh, we prepared initially for, uh, you know, ways to help people keep safe that first Sunday. But throughout that week, by the time we got to Sunday, we had shut down completely and uh, we we were not prepared. We we don't live stream. We didn't do that at that time. We did video our services, which were available the following week by subscription to people in the congregation. So we did not really have an online presence. There was a lot to adapt very quickly. And I think our staff 
worked really hard to work together, but also to help each other stay healthy mentally and emotionally through all the changes as we tried to figure out how to support our people who were also struggling mentally and emotionally as we figured out what all this would mean and you know if it really was going to just be two weeks or 13 months as it turned out <laughs> yes so there are, there are two avenues here right there's the church the physical action of being together as a worship group of people and then there's the mental health of the people who are going through this yes uh, how did you, let's take the two tracks differently. Let's, let's start off with the congregational care component. What types of things did you have to consider as, as things were kind of shutting down to help make sure that people stayed mentally healthy? Well, of course, uh, pastoral care became more, uh, you know, done uh, on the phone um, and through texting and through emails. And um, Ashley organized a whole calling team uh, and I'll let you talk about that. Yeah, we did a calling ministry where lay people had a number between 10 and 25 other lay people that they were asked to call every other week um, at the beginning, and now it's only monthly, to check in on how they're doing emotionally, um, what they need prayers for, if there's any immediate need that they had, like, I don't have any masks, or I don't feel safe going to the grocery store and I need help, you know. Um, but also then to kind of give the the... Uh, congregation regular updates about what was happening at church because they couldn't come in the building because we weren't meeting in person it was easy to feel disconnected and it really became the front line of pastoral care for pastor mike and i because now our lay people were building real relationship over the phone with each other and were able to talk with us about hey i'm worried about this person or this person indicated that they're feeling pretty isolated and then pastor mike and i could show up and help out out of that also came a mask making ministry. And so we had a whole group of women who were making masks for children all the way to adults um, and made masks for anyone in the congregation who needed them. And we would deliver them on people's doorsteps, socially distanced. And that was yet another point of contact. Not only was it a gift to get that mask and that it was homemade and special to that person, but also that there was somebody dropping it off at their door uh, and connecting in that way. And so it was a real gift, uh, especially early on in the pandemic, to have those touch points um, and to be able to check on each other emotionally. Um, I also think from the pulpit, Pastor Mike did a great job of preaching about taking care of ourselves, reconnecting, reaching out if you need help, uh, because it was such an uncertain time. And um, I, I think that's a, a powerful way for people to hear from that pulpit place, from worship, I need to take care of myself. It's okay for me to ask for help. And I think that helped our process as a congregation of relying on each other, even in a weird moment. Kind of a permission giving. Yes. Thing, right? yeah. So that, that phone tree, churches do that fairly well with a, with a prayer chain. But it's so-and-so's sick or in the hospital, mm -hmm. please pray for them. So it's a 30-second sometimes call. Right. These were more extensive. It was, oh, How yes. are you doing? What are the challenges that you're facing, right? Yes. Absolutely. And we kind of made a script to begin with because it was so much more vulnerable and involved than only a, a prayer tree or something like that. 
And, um, but quickly our volunteers uh, were like, we don't need that. Just tell us what information you mm -hmm. want us to convey. And we've already built those relationships. Right. So it's been really beautiful to see and to see some new relationships forming because of I was going to say, in some ways, it, it may have actually forged some relationships that weren't there beforehand. Oh, absolutely. Uh, my wife, Cindy, is one of the callers. And, you know, she probably spends 20 minutes or longer on the phone with the 20 people that she calls. Right. So. It's beautiful to see. And it's been great to um, see how proud our calling team members are that they are a part of this important ministry of that mental health and that relational connection in the church in a new way. They're meeting each other for the first time now that we're kind of back in the building and like, hey, I've been calling you for a year. It's nice to see your face. <laughs> Make a face to a name. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so that's what the congregation was going through. How about you guys personally? Uh, what were some of the things that were going, was going through your mind in those early days in particular? Well, uh, a lot of it was kind of survival. Um, not having all the volunteers on hand and staff had to step up and do things that volunteers would normally do. And, and also just figure out a plan uh, in case staff members got sick, uh, how we're, we're going to cover particular things that needed to be done uh, around everything from finances to, you know, name it. Uh, and then we also saw that we really had to up uh, our online presence and figure out, you know, how we could keep connecting with people and use that tool. And so uh, we really, we, we discovered that we definitely needed a new web page. And so we went through the process of creating that. And a lot of things connected with that. Our, our use of Facebook had been basically sporadic. Uh, we realized that that needed to be organized and scheduled and, and, and really use that as a tool. And so really just figuring out ways to keep connected with people by using uh, online tools became important. There is this feeling of not only the stress, worry, concern that we would each have for ourselves personally during this pandemic. What does this mean for my work? What does this mean for my health, for my family, et cetera? But then also, I think at least I had this overarching feeling of I need to be responsible for my congregation as well. And so all of that adapting that we did, yeah. all of the extra work that we were putting in had a really meaningful purpose because it felt like this is the moment where we really need to lean into care and to bring our church together. But I also think for me, it brought a lot of um, added stress at the beginning. I'm a planner. I like to know months ahead what I'm up to, and the pandemic really crushed that for me. <laughs> and so for me, there was a real mind shift, and um, uh, there was a lot of grief in, in things being canceled, in plans being changed that I really had to process through. Um, but then I think quickly, as we began to adapt and do the online work, and um, as a staff come together and say, okay, how do we handle this thing and the next thing, et cetera, there was also a joy that came out of it. And there was a meaningfulness of, listen, this isn't what we want. There is a lot of grief and stress in these moments for us and our people, but we are in this together. And there's so much now that we can do that we've never been able to do before. Mm -hmm. And so it was both very stressful and exciting, full of grief and also moments of joy. Mm -hmm. 
it was a chance to kind of reinvent on the fly, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, look at the things that you did, and I don't think I don't think you are unique in this. Uh, I mean, you upgraded your website, website, you enhanced your social media, online giving, all yeah. those types of things that we should have been doing all along, right? Uh, and, and like I said, it's not just you all; it, it's it's everyone, right? It, it's right. it's uh, there's so many churches that have had that very same that very same story. I'm sure. Uh, on the outside of it now, uh, as you look back on the things that you've added, are you pleased with how, how that has developed? I mean, it may not be where you want it to be yet, but... We have, and, and also just resources to the congregation, like, you know, weekly uh, devotionals that we do online that we didn't do before. Uh, and, uh, and one thing that was kind of fun for my wife and I is just a way of staying connected. We created a, um, a devotional, about a 10-minute devotional that was actually kind of a food network type thing where uh, we call it Word and Table. Um, and, and so uh, a virtual potluck and devotional is what we called it. So we do a devotion and then we do demonstrate a recipe that kind of connects with whatever we're talking about. And I mean, that's something that we, we added and, and it's been fun for us. It's connected with, with a number of people in the congregation. And Are you just doing that on Facebook then? It's uh, on Facebook, yeah, and our webpage. Okay, and you so can are you find recording it with your phone or with No, actually, we, uh, when the pandemic started, I said, we've got to get a good, you know, handheld camera that you can put real micro plug, real microphones into so that, uh, whatever we do doesn't look like a hostage video, you know? <laughs> so, so we, got, we got a really good camera. And so, and I've learned how to edit video over the last year. And so, and, and just, we've got the idea, you know, looking at like on the food network, they're doing a lot of their shows from home with family members running the camera. Well, that's kind of what we're doing. And, and I think we'll probably keep doing it. You know, it's, it's just been a good, and that's kind of part of my argument here is that everything you just described there is helping people re-engage with their spirituality, uh, uh, with, with their spiritual disciplines, maybe, but tuning into that and hearing some kind of message amid the food preparation right. is still enhancing the thoughts for people of what is their connection to Christ. Right. Uh, who would have thought about that two years ago? Exactly. Yeah, we wouldn't have. That's right. And it's been just a joy. Not only they they get that connection point for their spiritual growth, they also get to be inside of Pastor Mike's home through the video. And so they get to see him in his home with his family. Um, we have had multiple opportunities then for like our congregation members to come in and be liturgists. And we record them with that spiffy new camera that Mike purchased. Um, and again, it's like not only is it that spiritual development, but it's also seeing your people and feeling that connection of, oh, look, it's Prescott, the nine-year-old, <laughs> doing his liturgist reading in his Sonic the Hedgehog PJs. You know, those kind of moments of mm -hmm. just giving people a chance to reconnect and therefore be re-engaged in their faith and feel the connection to their church family. We also um, had a, a Sunday school class that was really for seekers and come and go. You can come once a month or once a week, doesn't matter. Just show up, we call it FaceTime. We moved that online and it went from a group that when we were here in the building was really for young adults and um, for people coming into the church for the first time to an incredible intergenerational group 
who is meeting, many of them already have a Sunday school class, but are coming and engaging on this FaceTime Sunday school in a new way with people they've never talked to before in the church. Um, and we did a lot of poetry during this season. Um, for me, poetry has become very important, and so we've used some curriculum from SALT Project and other areas where we connect like the poetry of Mary Oliver to the season of Lent, etc. And um, poetry has become just a really powerful resource for that group to talk about their faith, to practice their faith, and to experience God in the real world. And so there's just been all these really creative things like Word and Table and our FaceTime Sunday School class. Just, just drawing from other things that maybe wouldn't have gotten into the equation. Exactly. Right. Yes, in a new way. And it's been exciting to see people really connect and come alive because of those resources. So let's talk a little bit about we're, we're getting ready to come back from the exile. Yeah. Yes. In our case, we're not coming back from somewhere. We're actually going out. Yeah. <laughs> so you had your first in-person worship service. Yesterday. Last Sunday, April mm -hmm. 18th. Uh, the first one since when? Since about the second week of March last yeah. year. Mm -hmm. yeah, so more than 12 months. Mm -hmm. Right. I think we counted it was maybe 57 or 58 weeks. Okay. So what was that like, both from the standpoint of being able to see other people in the congregation, and then how were things different this time around from the last time you were in that setting? Well, it, what it was like was it was just sort of amazing to see all these people in the church building, you know. Uh, you know, that was a good thing, and that was, we, that was something to really celebrate. Uh, Another piece for me was it's also just the, uh, the first stage because we're doing it by reservation system right now uh, in order to keep the numbers at a safe level. And uh, I'm going to have some grief until we can allow everybody, you know, to come whenever they want. So it was kind of a that mix for me a little bit yesterday. But it was also it was it was so much preparation to get to yesterday. Uh, just in terms of getting the building ready and getting the volunteers uh, prepared for that, uh, that it was it was kind of when it was all over, it was like kind of a relief. Yeah. You know, we, <laughs> it happened. We yeah. did it. <laughs> Everybody's getting practice. And what is it like to be a church start? Right. Because it's the same kind of thing. Again, right? oh, You've got to figure true. out the organization of who's going to do this task and that task. Yes. Where those were kind of by rote. You know, prior to this, because people were just oh, agreeing, you know, that's yes. just what they did. So-and-so was the usher. So-and-so right. was a greeter. Uh, not anymore. Not right. at least not for a while. Mm -hmm. And it was fun to see our the people who volunteered for ushers and greeters and things like this on Sunday morning because we did a training because it's different now. And some of our folks who have been the usher for 30 years or the greeter for 30 years like, do I need to come to this training? And I said, yeah, come on, because there's differences in how we're doing it. And it was really, I think, meaningful, even during the training and the preparation part, for kind of our old guard, those who have always done the work, to see new people jump in and say, I'll help too. And for them to intermingle and work together was really powerful. Then it wasn't just, oh, that's the usher group. They're the ones that do the work. But everyone's in it together. On Sunday for me um, at reopening, hearing the noise of the children during like we had a prayer confession, there was silence in it, and it wasn't silent. Right. It was beautiful. I mean, brought me to tears to say, you know, let's take some time for silence. And suddenly there's just wiggling and chit-chatting. And I think it's been so long since I've heard children in the sanctuary, you know, or to hear our congregation read the or recite the Lord's Prayer together in unison. 
I mean, I started it and then I had to stop because I was so choked up to hear my church family say that prayer together and not just knowing they're doing it at home on online worship, <laughs> but doing it in the same space was just a, a Holy Spirit moment for me and I think was meaningful to do that. But I think it's right. We still feel, even as we you know, re-enter, that we're in the in-between. We're like in this kind of multi-step, who knows how long of a season process mm-hmm. until we get back to whatever safety means. I, I always hesitate to say back to normal because I don't think that that's something we want to go back to necessarily, but back to safety. How do we get everyone back in a way that's meaningful to them? One of the things that we talked about in the last episode was uh, from Ezra 3, where the foundation of the new temple is being laid, and the people who had seen the original were the ones not celebrating. They were the ones crying because they knew that it wasn't going to be what they had before. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were other people that were celebrating because it was a happy moment. Right. And I, my, my argument last time was we choose which way we want to go here. We can really lament what we've lost or we can embrace what the possibilities may be. I'm going to steal that for a sermon. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Uh, as I, I, it really struck me as you were talking just then. I, that really hit me, too, of you know people back in the sanctuary. Because we had that at our church. Um, uh, and Lawrence, that yeah, we had this moment where, ah, people are back. Right. <laughs> There's yammering. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's a great thing. Uh, and nobody complained about the yammering for the first time, maybe ever, <laughs> you know, because they were so excited about it. That's great. Uh, so, as I kind of understand, so I was reading, uh, Ashley was great to, to kind of send me a list of some things that you all are working on. It looks like there's quite a bit of planning going on in this interim time. And just like the exile happened in waves. People returned in waves, and that's what we're doing here, is we're returning to whatever the new normal is in waves. So why don't you tell a little bit, I don't care which one wants to jump in here, but what are some of the things you're getting ready to do or are already doing to help people re-engage with each other and re-engage with, with Christ as they leave their homes and come back to with other folks? Yeah. One of the things um, that I've been really excited about, we've reopened our building for small groups um, to gather for Sunday school or a meeting or just to get together to pray, etc. And and we're not using the whole building all the time. And so we have certain rooms that we know are well ventilated, have a window, but also our county has said you need to have three hours between the end of one meeting and the beginning of the next to make sure the space has been cleared out. And so we definitely have a limited amount of space. What I've seen in our small groups then is that many of them are choosing, let's get together on Zoom some of the time and in person some of the time. And so they're kind of doing a hybrid model. Our parents group, which is a group of uh, parents of young children who meets on Wednesday nights, we're meeting this Wednesday on the back lawn of the church to let the kids run and scream and just be crazy while we sit in lawn chairs and chit chat because we want that social gathering. We want to get together in that way. And we don't want to have to take up a room that someone else could use in the church. We know our kids are noisy and that's good when you're outside, <laughs> you know. So there's new creative things that are happening for that group that beforehand, we always met in Fellowship Hall, the kids went to childcare, that was the end of the story. Same thing every week. Now we're getting this new adaptive way of, what else might be fun? Could we meet in this location, you know? And it's been cool to see not only that group, but lots of Sunday school classes find new ways and new times to meet in their faith life. 
um, so that they can use the building and the resources that coming together really brings, but also that technology. So that's been a cool hybrid model that I've seen people do naturally here at the church um, in a meaningful way. So that's one thing. What, what would you add? Well, I would add that in terms of worship, uh, we're, we will continue to do uh, online worship, which is something, again, that we didn't really do before. And um, we we record our service. It's not live stream. We record it on Wednesday evening. And um, and we've we're fortunate that we have a great camera system and it, we, you can edit a really nice looking service that can be uh, uh, really developed for people who are home uh, worshiping from home rather so they don't feel like they're just watching worship happen in a you know in a sanctuary um, and I, we're going to continue to do that and make that available and uh, so kind of a, in a more of a hybrid way so will the recording be a little different than sunday morning yes yeah we'll you know continue to you know uh try to lead the people that are worshiping at home by looking at the camera right. and not you know at a congregation so that you know again people feel like they're not they're just observing yeah, when when it's done that way, uh, at least I feel. No, I think that's very important. One of the things I people call me and ask for guidance, and I tell them, you got to make eye contact with the camera because that's part of the congregation. It's yeah. not just the people on the left pews and the people on the right pews. Now you got people in the middle pew. Right. right. Yeah. The middle pew is the people on the other side of the camera. Yes. And so we we want to continue that. Um, a nice thing about that, as far as the from the preacher's standpoint, your sermon's all done on Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so you're able to, you know, the end of the week, focus things a little bit differently. So um, making those two ways of worship uh, available in an ongoing way, I think, will be something that we'll is be that, doing. Is that Wednesday service a little more condensed? Um. It is uh, definitely from what you know we did in the before times, um, but uh, uh, and we'll keep it more condensed. Right now, what we're doing in person is more similar to what because uh, just we're not singing. Uh, there's no con no congregational singing that is, um, and we're limiting the kind of responses. Calvary has a history of being a more liturgical church and so this has been very different and is very different um and so uh, the on the online worship is definitely more condensed yeah mm -hmm. another thing that we've been working on planning during this season of being at home uh has also been a season for our nation and i think for this church mm -hmm. about uh thinking about racial justice and the ways that we can be a part of the solution and so online through zoom we formed a racial justice team that's never met in person which feels crazy to me uh, but we have gathered for the last uh, nine months and processed through together what we envision for our church and also for our community and for god's kingdom and how we might be a part of helping and coming alongside things that are already happening and so the racial justice team is planning for the month of june a film series where we watch the PBS special, The Black Church, in four parts and have discussion groups. And already, I mean, immediately from the lay people was, how do we offer this simultaneously in person and online? 
so everyone feels safe to participate. So we have a big dream about being in our gym in a big open space with wide circles for small group so discussions. Sp- spread people out. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for folks who aren't familiar with that, uh, is a series that aired uh, a couple months ago. Um, Henry Louis Gates Jr. Uh, did this amazing historical look at the black church uh, and it's as a building block of african-american society and indeed american history right uh and, and henry's a good united methodist uh matter of fact he takes you to his home church uh, a couple of times at the very beginning and at the very end and That's so right. it's just a fun i just want to make sure people understood what that series was it was two two-hour episodes and you're going to take a, about an hour at a time it sounds That's like. right. And we're excited because what we're trying to do is do the inward work of racial justice, working on ourselves, how we can grow and change and be a part of the solution, but also the outside work. Then how do we engage in the community? And we have some things going with another local church here in town and with the uh, school district that we're working on that outward work. But we really want to make sure that we give our congregation the chance to have safe space to question and grow and be challenged. (laughs) And what I love about it is that Um, our congregation, uh, the lay people are leading the way at saying, okay, we'll have the in-person event. This is the limit on how, who who can attend, how many can attend. But also let's make sure that right at the same time, at least one person from our team is hosting an online option so that anybody else who doesn't feel safe or who didn't get on the RSVP list can come. And I just love that their mentality has just already clicked and how do we do a both and kind of thing. Um, knowing that, hey, it's going to take a lot more work to do two events at the same time than just one. So how do we make sure that there's lay people and volunteers leading the way and not only the staff? And I've been real grateful. We've heard really recent, um, really often recently um, from our SPRC, from our church leaders, hey, our staff is are doing two jobs right now, online and in person. So how do we support them? How do we volunteer? How do we get in on this? Because they can't sustain this forever. <laughs> so. Well, and there's a reality that it has to be sustained forever. Right. Because there, there's just a reality of it's never going to be like it was in February of 2020. Right. Even after people are vac- vaccinated, there's a reality now that there will be a group of people that are just not going to set foot back in the in the foyer of a church uh, because of health reasons, concerns about safety. Uh, and we just have to be honest, there are some people that in their jammies on their on their couch is the way it's going to be now. Yeah, pajama are, church. Yeah, we are a Netflix society, right? right. And, and so on demand is what they want. So having everything that we do now has to have the in-person option, which is what we want. We want the interaction, but also has to have this component. If we're really going to reach people, it's got to be beyond the four walls of the church, and that means like, that means using our technology. That's right. So how do we adapt our job descriptions and the way that we serve? And how do we engage our lay people because they're incredible leaders and know the internet maybe better than I do and can lead in those ways. Um, and I need to work on relying on them and, and being incorporating the lay people into this work so that it can be sustained. Um, I think that maybe one of the dangers for clergy right now is that we're trying to do everything and hold everything up at the same time with all this adapting and changing and uh, planning that we're doing. And at some point we have to we have to get back to a healthy balance of, of the work and life, but also um, a healthy balance of the churches for the lay people and not just for the clergy to lead. And so how do we make those balances happen so that it's sustainable for us personally, but also for the kingdom? So we have a future episode in this series where we're gonna talk about lay people. Uh, as a lay person, 
I've been very critical of saying, I've just said it before, frankly, we have a lot of lay people who are pew potatoes. Uh, and, and we can't be that anymore. Uh, not if we want our churches to not only be sustained, but to thrive uh, and to help other people come into the kingdom. We've got to do a better job as lay people of taking up the slack uh, because clergy cannot do it themselves. Uh, not the way that things are now. Right. They couldn't before. They definitely can't the way it is now. <laughs> right. Yes. Uh, I, I want to get into something about the life of the church. All these different things happen at different intervals. So there's Advent, there's Easter, uh, and, and then in the summer we always have VBS. You have something you're going to do differently VBS-wise, and then I want to get into youth for a second. But what are, what are a couple of things that you're doing youth-wise, uh, or I'm sorry, VBS-wise, let's start with that, uh, that uh, is a little bit different than what you've done in the past. That's right. Well, this last summer, so summer 2020, we had VBS online and the kids got to get a packet that was brought to their home, which was another touch point. And then they got to play and they did this kind of Toy Story theme. And so they got to make a Mr. Potato Head out of a real potato and do all these fun things together online, which was a great connection point for our kids. This summer, we're really excited. We're really grateful to have an incredible back lawn and lots of resources outside here at this church. And so we are able to do um, a outdoor vacation Bible school. And it's going to happen like kind of that 9 a.m. to noon classic VBS time for our church at least. Um, but it's all outside and already our team is adapting. Now, how do we do science outside? How do we play these games and not interrupt each other as we're rotating through things? And there's, so it won't be exactly what it has been just outside. It'll be this new adaptive way of doing children's ministry in a big lawn full of play. And we really at Calvary cherish kids and believe in, in the power of play in our faith. And so I'm really excited about our children's team and our Christian educator who are leading the way to do what we're calling a camp out or a camp kind of program instead of classic VBS. Um, getting those kids outside to play. I imagine there'll be some water games involved and things like that too. So we're going to have fun. I've already said I want to be in the summer. South Central Kansas, yeah. Popsicles, water balloons, we need it, right? <laughs> so we're excited about that coming up. Um, and if the two pastors sitting across from me might have to show up and get wet in those yeah. things, who knows? Absolutely. Probably will happen. Yeah. <laughs> so we're grateful for that. We've also been really grateful for Camp Horizon and the way that they've adapted their ministry. So our church is going down to camp one Sunday, Saturday in the summer to have a, a all-church camp day because of the ways that they've reformatted their ministry. So kids have been um, really a highlight of how we're going to do ministry in new ways this summer. Awesome. Another thing in the life of the church is just the things that individual groups do. And, and one of the things that your church has, has a tradition of is a spring youth lock-in. Uh, <laughs> and this year it's a lock-out. That's right. <laughs> so walk me through what that looks like. Well, um, it was like it happened this last weekend, and it, naturally it was super cold. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> of course. Yes. So we we had to adapt, and they, they did use the building, only they had to do it in a socially distant sort of way. Um, but you're, you're right. The youth ministry has had to do a lot of adapting. Um, because, and, the, you know, of course, they've had Zoom meetings all this last year, and those poor students are so Zoomed out with yes. school. And I'm so glad that they're able to start having some in-person things again. Mm -hmm. uh, another, you know, big thing for Calvary uh, students is to go on mission work trips in the summer. And we have a kind of a tradition of usually having three youth 
mission uh, trips in the summer. And so it was devastating last year when we when they had to be canceled. And so this year um, they are going together with uh, some other local um, uh, youth groups and doing a, a kind of more of a local mission uh, trip this year. And so they're going to be able to, you know, do ministry in that way this year so right we've been really excited for our youth ministry and the ways that not only has our youth pastor uh adapted to doing outdoor things so like the lock-in that he did they spent time outside as much as they could and then they did sleep in the gym socially distanced um there was talk of putting tents up and how to figure that out i, I think they ended up with sleeping bags but um but they, he's also done so much like um to connect with local ministries so we can be outside together and so we um over the pandemic built a gaga ball pit in our backyard so the kids could play and um we have a I can't remember the name of it, but it's like um, up in the sky game that they can throw balls and be socially distanced and play together. It's like nine. Yes, nine. I can't remember what it's called. Yeah. I've seen kids get really, really into it. I yes. love it. And so there's been just this new wave of how do we do ministry uh, in a way that's engaging and gets kids' bodies moving and being in play together uh, because they've spent an entire season in our district online. And so, um, yeah, we're excited about the local mission trip and the way youth groups are coming together to serve and still have those same faith formation opportunities like serving others and having those experiences where we're giving of ourselves and doing it in a way that's adapted to what the needs of our world are today. Is there anything else on the horizon for Calvaries and other things that you're planning that we haven't talked about that you want to make sure people are aware of? We, we're excited um, to think through confirmation coming up. Oh, right. Typically, we do confirmation kind of January to Pentecost, and we confirm students on Pentecost. Um, last year, we couldn't confirm them on Pentecost, so we're looking to um, confirm last year's class coming up. And then we have an idea for fall where we're going to... Um, create a new program that would lead us all the way to you know the advent season for confirmation and adapt a little bit of how we teach and how we do that work um, to meet those needs but i think yeah the name of the game for us has just been uh, adapt and plan mm -hmm. and and pray and then what we have really seen is a church that has responded with grace and the ability to jump in to whatever we imagine and so um, we're excited to see what comes next yeah yeah, some of the outreach work of uh, Calvary really exceeded uh, previous outreach yes. uh, this last year. So it's been pretty amazing. We have here at the church three driveways. And so we've created this event we do probably every other month during the pandemic. And I think we may continue it in some fashion um, where we have people come and drive through each of the three um, driveways of our church, the three main entrances, and they get to participate in outreach in some way. So they can drop off canned goods for our Thanksgiving food drive. Then they can show up to the sanctuary and receive what they need for the season of Lent, etc. And so there's lots of um, ways that last a few like right at the beginning of holy week on palm sunday we had people drive through and jump out of their cars and create beautiful butterflies to be used during worship um, to decorate our sanctuary space while we were worshiping on easter sunday so they've been able to participate in a safe way if they want to get out of their car and do an activity great if they want to stay in and just drop something off perfect 
come to any of them. So we're excited to, um, we've been really grateful for our space and the ways we've been able to use it during this season. But also, yeah, that participation, people want to come to the building and give and be a part of outreach and missions, but also they want to connect with their pastor. They want to connect with the lay person who's leading the way on this project. So it's been that connection point as well. Um, and it's been fun to see, you know, we had a youth that dressed up in a blow up dinosaur costume and danced around while people gave money to Heifer Project. And <laughs> we've had, you know, people, we, it was the freezingest day of all time, right before Christmas, and people were coming for their special Calvary communion bread. Yes. You got Jesus bread, and you got to have it for Christmas Eve. And so they were coming, no matter what kind of blizzard was happening, you know. And it was just a joy to see that people yearned to participate and to connect, but also not only for their own selves, but to give back to the missions we do and the outreach we serve. And uh, that was a fun thing. It was a, I think it was a boost for us staff to see them once mm -hmm. a month or so to go, look at our people, they're here to help, they're here to do good, you know? <laughs> so that's been fun. Yep. And we're excited to see as we go forward, this Sunday we have our Surf Sunday, which is an annual event where we go out to multiple locations across Wichita and serve others. And no, most of the time we go inside of Open Door and paint a room. And we go to a location that helps with um, women who are surviving abuse situations and we make blankets. And this year it's all outside and they're gonna wear their masks and pack their own lunch. And they're gonna go um, this Sunday and we have multiple families going out to clean an alleyway or to help a nonprofit spruce up their um, kind of front yard of their building. Um, we're really excited to do that work knowing that it has to be adjusted to be safe and we can still continue to do good in new ways in this Those situation. Those are still things that need to be done. Exactly. Right. And, you know, just out, it's outside instead of indoors. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. we're excited. Well, thank you very much for, for your time. Uh, we, we talked a lot about both the Ezra and Nehemiah components of this, uh, rebuilding our spirituality, rebuilding our, our spiritual discipline, uh, and then re-engaging our community and rebuilding our community in different ways. Maybe we're not really building a wall, but we are, build, we are rebuilding people. That's right. Absolutely. In a lot of ways. So uh, Mike Marion, Ashley Prescott, Barlow Thompson, thank you so much for your time on In Layman's Terms. probably heard some similarities in those stories shared by Mike and Ashley on behalf of the folks at Calvary United Methodist Church in Wichita. Things that you've seen or even tried in your own churches. But maybe you heard something. Maybe their social justice in-person slash online class hybrid, or their groups meeting with parents while the kids played outside, or the way that they're planning VBS. Maybe you heard something that you can take that idea and run with it. You might even be able to make it better better for you in your context of ministry. I want to thank Mike and Ashley again for taking time with me recently at their church. What the folks at Calvary are doing is twofold. They're embracing the rebuilding of their community and of the people there, just like Nehemiah did in Jerusalem. And they are embracing the enhancement of spiritual disciplines, like we read in Ezra. I hope you gained a few ideas from this discussion. Next time, I'll invite you to come along with me to Hutchinson, Kansas to meet with the Reverend Jeff Getzinger. He recently finished reading the Bible from cover to cover, so I thought through his story, we can help you understand the importance of reading the Bible as you re-engage in your spiritual practices.
Layman's Terms is a podcast sponsored by the Great Plains Conference of the United Methodist Church and by me, your host, Todd Seifert. If you liked what you heard in this episode, please go rate us and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening. It helps other people find us. And please, if you feel so inclined, share us on Facebook or other social media. Our music comes via a licensed subscription with FirstCom Music. You can find archived podcasts on my website, toddseifert.com, or via a link on the conference website, greatplainsumc.org slash podcasts. Feel free to email me any questions or suggestions to tseifert at greatplainsumc.org, and I'll do my best to respond as quickly as possible. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, please do what you can to help make more disciples of Jesus Christ. You can play a small part in helping change a life.